Good morning, Auburn family. I'm so happy to be bringing another message to you guys that God has laid on our heart uh, in regards to the sermon series that we're going through on the church, uh, the, church the letters to the church, churches in Revelation. I'm very excited to be a part of this with Brent, and I've been very grateful to and 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 blown away about how applicable these, these lessons that we have been learning from these churches. I'm excited to say that we're, we're uh, excited, but also sad to say we're at the halfway mark of this series uh, on the, when Jesus, titled When Jesus Comes to Church. And I, I'm going to be talking about the church of Thyatira, but before I get into that, I just want to pray quickly. And, and, and after that, I just want to give a quick little summary of what we've talked about so far. And so I'm just going to pray right now. And so, Father, you just come before you. God, I just pray right now, as I, as I speak, God, let your words speak through me. God, let your message be heard right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. God, you are our king. You are the person we trust. God, you are the, the cornerstone, as we just sung right now, the cornerstone that, that we build off of. And so, Father, we praise you. God, let this message glorify you as we proclaim your word. God, let it penetrate our hearts. Let it change and transform us and mold us into who you desire us to be. God, thank you so much, Lord. We just pray this all in your son's name. Amen. And so uh, I just want to give a quick little summary of what we've talked about so far up until this point. And so the first message was Brent preaching on the church of Ephesus. Now the church of Ephesus, this church had abandoned its love for Christ and his teachings. The lesson to the letter uh, of the church of Ephesus teaches that truth and love must go hand in hand. The, a church that upholds doctrinal purity at the expense of showing love is just flawed as a church that upholds congregational harmony at the expense of truthful teachings. Instead, Jesus reveals that the church fashioned in his image must teach God's truth in love. The second letter being to the church of Smyrna and the church that, uh, and we learned, and I preached on this, was that this church was under immense persecution. But yet, they were faithful amidst all of that persecution. And so Jesus, what Jesus is calling this church to, to, to uh, is encouraging them, them with, is that remain faithful in this persecution just as you have been. And then there's, there's, that's, what us, that's for us to learn also. The third church that Brent, uh, that Brent preached on last Sunday was the Church of Pergamum. Now this church was known for compromising its beliefs. Like Christian, uh, Christians in Pergamum, it was easy for, the, uh, for them to normalize the non-Christian behavior of those around them. Allowing that behavior to dilute their values. That compromise crept in and, and, and caused them to dilute their values, dilute the truth. 
And today I want to speak on the fourth letter. And this is to the church of Thyatira. And so if you guys can turn to uh, Revelations 2, starting in verse 18, I'm going to turn there with you guys also. I feel like we should be doing a sword drill for this. But yeah, it's at the back of the book, and so it should be easy to find. Anyways, starting in verse 18, going all the way to 29. It says, starting, To the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and those whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. But her teachings, she, her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating food from sacrificed idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings, her teaching, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any of the uh, any other burden on you, except to hold on to what uh, to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to, to pieces like a pot, pot like pottery just as i have received authority from my father i will also give that one the morning star whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches and so Going into the series, Brent asked us these very questions that introduced our series. The reason why we're doing this. And so I just want to repeat these questions for you guys again. The first one being, if Jesus visited our church, what would he say? The second one being, would he be impressed by what's happening? Would he notice the same things that we do? Throughout this message, and hopefully throughout the rest of the series, I hope that you are thinking on these questions. So just like last week, how Brent talked about uh, that worldliness, compromise, can corrupt the church, this week, This Sunday, today, we will be looking at how uh, how engagement and tolerance 
engagement and tolerance in these compromises will destroy a church. And, and, and as, as, ben and I, as Brent and I were preparing for this, we, we realized that these were, these were similar messages. And I remember uh, emailing Brent uh, as I was preparing for this, asking him if he was talking about compromise. And he said he was. And so I was just like, okay, well, I have to adjust this. But I, I think the, the, what I've chosen to title this sermon is The Tolerant Church. And so what this church has done, Thyatira has done, is engaged in, in, in tolerating and taking part in these, uh, these things, these heresies that have crept into the church. I, we live, I want us to recognize that we live right now in a world of compromise where people seek their own interests at any cost. People, in a sense, sell their souls for the pleasures of this world. The things that are here in this world, they sell their souls for it. And this is not limited to any age group. They will do almost anything to get attention, to be popular, to be acceptable, to secure their jobs, to get promotions, to get good grades, to get more money to get bigger houses, to live in the best neighborhood, and even to gain power. The point is very clear that I want to get, get through, is that people compromise what they know is right in order to get what they want. Well, this is, this is what the church of Thyatira is doing right now. It was a church full of believers who were compromising with the world in order to fill their personal desires. Becoming tolerant and allowing heresies to coexist with the truth in the church had become a major problem and was very evident within this church. We see this by looking into the background of what was going on at the church at the time. And so we see Thyatira, uh, Thyatira was the smallest of the seven churches, but yet it had the longest message written to it in Revelation. Thyatira was a frontier town, uh, the least important of the seven that are mentioned, uh, that are given letters to. Thyatira was known for its working unions. And it's what drove this city. Two, two in particular uh, items were traded from this, uh, were, 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 were made and traded from this town, meaning dye, and, uh, them being dye and wool. We see Lydia from the book of Acts, the dealer of purple cloth, was from Thyatira. Their product plus a major road running through them from Pergamum to Sardis brought people from all over the world. And so, uh, as I mentioned before, these working unions that were established because uh, the production of dye and wool was so important and other goods, uh, that these working unions are what drove the city. And so if you weren't a part of these unions, if you, 
uh, if you didn't take part in what they were doing and what was going on within them. You were an outcast. They, they, you would not receive business. You were, you were pretty much the poorest of the poor within the city. Being a part of these unions meant taking part not only in the social gatherings of the city, but also in the, in the, the parties, the idolatry, the, the idolatry and, uh, and other, other things that were going on at the time. But it also meant one of the biggest compromises was, was that if you're a part of these unions, you had to take part in their, the worship of Caesar and, and, and not only Caesar, but uh, this, this town worshipped what they called the son of God, which was actually to them the son of Zeus. And they worshipped Caesar and the son of Zeus. Uh, and if you were a part of these unions, you had to worship this de- these two deities. And so you would see to be a part of these unions, to be, to, to have power, to have money, to, to provide for your needs. You had to be a part of these working unions. Otherwise, no one was allowed to do business with you. So knowing this, when we read uh, the scripture from Revelations 2, 18 to 29, we see three things that are being pointed out that Jesus is pointing out to the, this church. The first one being the tenacity for holding together. We see this in verse 19. Thyatira was a growing, going, and advancing church. They stood by their faith, they kept on, and they did not grow weary. They started out well and got better. They were a loving church, full of loving service. And, and so Jesus starts off this letter pointing out how well the church is doing. But, he says, but to them. And you get to this point where you're like, oh, no, what's coming next? The second thing being their tolerance. Their tolerance of the things that were going on. And we read about it in verses 20 to 23. The thing that Jesus had against them was their tolerance. Ephesus uh, would not tolerate evil. We learn about this in the, in the letter that was written to Ephesus, that they would not tolerate evil, but they had lost their first love, so legalism had crept in. Thyatira was, was strong in love, tolerated evil those two extremes still exist to this very day within our culture it doesn't it doesn't take a a, a huge look or, or or a lot of searching to go out and see churches that could be compromised by either one of these They are still in the church today. Jesus goes on to, to, to mention this name Jezebel and says Jezebel has come into this church. And so we know that in 1 Kings 
that Jezebel was a was was a was a person that was a part of leading Israel at the time with her with her husband husband Ahab. She led her husband Ahab away from God. But her real evil was bringing Israel into Baal worship. She set up temples and altars to Baal side by side, side by side with God, the altars to God. Many of those who worshipped God would then go and worship Baal. Thus, she was compromising and polluting the people. This was what exactly was happening in the church of Thyatira at the time. They had a wonderful spirit, great vision for reaching the world around them. But they had begun to tolerate and encourage Jezebel who had taught that one could serve God and also could serve and do the things contrary to his purpose. It doesn't take a lot of searching and looking to realize that we live in a very tolerant age. Everyone has the right to say what they want and believe what they want to believe. But toleration can be a sin. There almost should be an exclusiveness that that must be part of the church. Somewhere where God's people have to take a stand and say, we will not comply with anything that is opposing Jesus. He is our rule and he is our authority. We measure our lives By his standard that he has set for us. And do not compromise on that. And do not tolerate that. In Thyatira, they probably reasoned that that there was an element of truth to what Jezebel was saying. The most dangerous heresy is a heresy that sounds like the truth. Jesus condemned this church. And and his strongest language was reserved for these people. Because Jezebel was firmly established with the approval of the congregation. Jezebel refused to repent and Jesus condemned her for those who uh, had committed and those who had committed adultery with her to great tribulation. He is not talking here just about physical immorality. This is a spirit this is a reference towards spiritual spiritual adultery of those who could not stay true to God. The third thing being in the la- the third and the last thing being in verses 24 to 29 Jesus said that the problem is too severe for us to handle. Jesus is, is, is implying that the, the ones that are faithful to remain faithful in him. To stay away from this heresy and have nothing to do with it. 
Do not participate in it. Don't even, don't even have one foot in. Don't even test it or taste it at all. Just remain pure and, and centered and focused on him. Jesus mentioned the depths of Satan. And that could mean many things. But, it, but what I believe it probably means is, is, is it talks about all the strategies, the, the tricks, and, 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 and how, uh, how, how the enemy works. How Satan works and how, tr- how he tricks us to keep us away from God. One of my favorite books that I ever read was the, was the Screwtape Letters. And it's written by C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite, all-time favorite authors. And it's this, these, these letters that are written between a, an, el- uh, an elder demon and, an, and, its, uh, and his apprentice. And basically he's teaching him how, the tricks of the trade and how to entice and, and, and co- co- coerce and, 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 to cha- uh, and to trick the person that he is tempting. And there's a great, uh, a great quote that comes from this book that, that I believe speaks to the truth of what the enemy w- wants to trick us into. And it says, and it goes, goes really well with this, this message of, to- of calling us not to be a church that tolerates sin. It, it says, there is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. He wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. The enemy wants to focus, cause us to focus on the future and, and, and think about all the things that we need to be doing uh, to achieve that. And so we begin to stop thinking about the here and now. And, and the concern of what we're doing at this moment. He wants us to be concerned about how we get there. He wants us to be focusing on getting there. And so he tricks us into thinking we need to have the best job to provide for our family, to justify it. He think he makes us think that that we need to have the 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 the, the best house, uh, the nicest house, so that we can uh, so that we can it's providing for our family, or we need to we need to have the best possible uh, the best possible uh, gaming system, or or uh, to to properly play games and reach our friends, or 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 just letting these things little little truths or 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 half truths begin to seep into our minds so that we can justify how we get to what we feel we need to get to but God wants us to focus on what we're doing right now so I have a beautiful kind of picture to paint for you guys at this moment as we close off and it's uh it's it's this picture of a of a plant uh, a potted plant, and um, I think it explains a lot about uh, a lot about how sin, uh, when we let sin into our lives, and and how it begins to choke out the God's goodness and, and God's presence within our lives, because we, we see that in this plant, there's there's so many things that are growing out of it. 
but yet, uh, and these things that are growing out of it are weeds, and they get in the way of, uh, uh, they get in the way of, of, of the presence of God within our lives, the relationship that we can have, because they choke out anything that's good, that's good that goes into them. And so how we usually deal with this is we, uh, sometimes people will take and they'll, they'll, they'll cut, they'll cut it off, they'll trim it off to make it look nice, uh, and, and, uh, trimmed and, 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 and make it look good so that there's, it doesn't look like there's a mess and they'll prune it. And, and so it kind of hides what it really is and, and how it looks and it, it kind of, kind of fixes the, the problem uh, temporarily because it, it tricks people into thinking that everything's okay. We're not sinning, and so like we we, we cover it up with uh, with little truths or little lies. But but the reality is is the sin is still present, and and months later this thing can still grow back into a giant plant that 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 is still choking out uh, the goodness and the relationship that God wants to have with us. The the only thing that we really can do. Uh, uh, that we can do to remove this sin is we, we have to literally take every, every single little bit of the weeds that are within this out of this soil, which is our lives. And, and we have to remove it at its root uh, out of here. Get, get every single little bit out and take it out and so that it has nothing, nothing at all to do with it. Uh, our lives and so every single little bit of it is gone and and that way it just leaves the soil right there and so what we do is is is, is we want God's presence uh, in our lives and so what this involves doing is, is we it allows for his seed to be planted to grow into this beautiful plant within our lives and so what I believe uh what, what I believe God's desire is that how, how we get this to grow is when the seeds are planted, that we, by reading his word, by praying and spending time with him, that this plant begins to, will begin to grow and our relationship with him begins to grow. And making sure that no sin, no weeds or seeds, uh, seeds of sin can get into this, 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 uh, into this, this plant that is growing within us, this relationship that is growing within us, to corrupt it. And so what was happening with this church in Thyatira is that they are allowing sin uh, into their relationship with God, and it begins to choke out the goodness and the truths and their relationship. And, and, God's warning us to not let that happen, not to let these sins, these seeds of sin to, to grow with our lives, but yet to remove them, uh, to remove them and, and to, to be focused on his word, his truth, spending time with him and praying with him. And so finishing off with this, this object lesson of the potted plant, I really want us to understand that we are called to this relationship as a church as as a people, we're called to this relationship with God. Therefore, we must learn from Thyatira, the church of Thyatira, and the letter to them, that if we possess Jesus, that we're that we're called not to be the things. The thing that we learn from this church, the church of Thyatira, is that we can't let compromise and and compromise and toleration of sin on. Uh, to enter into our church, to enter into our relationships.
If we possess Jesus, we possess everything that we need. We possess not only everything that we need, but everything that we want. Therefore, what we learn from the church of Thyatira is that if we possess Jesus, we possess everything. We possess everything we need, want, and long for is in Him. He is the only way to true greatness and true power. So let us not hunger for table scraps and letting sin into our lives, but let us feast on the food that is waiting for us at the great banquet, which is His being in His presence firmly resting on his truth, his word. So I just want to leave this with you as, as we learn from this church, let us not compromise, not, not let, let us not tolerate sin, not, don't let it creep into our lives, creep into our church. But let us stand firm on the cornerstone that is Jesus. That is our prayer for you. So, Father, test our hearts. That is what we pray, God.